Radiodrome. And this is Radiodrome. God, what the hell are we on now? 21? 24. Oh, sweet. Our show can drink. <laughs> hey, only in America. <laughs> if if we yeah. were in other countries, we would have been able to drink three episodes ago. That's true, yeah. <laughs> and if you couldn't hear, Brad's here and Jared giggled in the background there, so he's with us this week. How's it going, everybody? Now, you got to say that in your, like, your kind of douchey, how's it going, everybody? How's it going, everybody? A little too British for you, Brad. <laughs> how's it going, everybody? All right, now we need to point out to the listeners that this is our second attempt at trying to record this one. The old days of Radiodrome. Yeah, yes. we were originally tried, trying to record it on Thursday, and I just have to say, Skype sucks. <laughs> you're, you're yeah, Skype bad. Skype was having problems, and I had to take I had to take off to see the Midnight of Pirates Four. I was going to ask you. Now I, I watched your review. To me, as someone who did not like two and three, yeah, will I like this movie or not? The thing of it is, is like in a way, I sort of like this one better than two and three because it wasn't as overbloated. It wasn't three hours for one. So right there, it, th- this one didn't annoy me as much. The problem is that it was such, it was such a nothing movie that I just kind of sat there and didn't care about anything that was going on. So it was like I, I didn't have a strong reaction to it one way or, or the other. Not even Ian McShane could save it? It was so average. It was so mediocre and average that... I just can't bring myself to have any kind of strong reaction one way or the other. It was just a no- it was it was just a nothing movie. I mean, yeah, Ian McShane is 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 really good in it, but everything else in the movie around him just meh, is just meh. so bland and meh. And he's in it like here and there, you know, but it's not like he's in every scene of the movie. He probably doesn't even come into it till about forty minutes in. Um, what about you, Jared? Uh, I I didn't go with him to see it, so... Oh, you didn't see that one, okay. Nope. He sat this one up. Well, all right, Jared, something we brought up on the first attempt at this, which I'm going to pretend we didn't do because I can bring it up here. Jared, how's the game report doing? Uh, The game report is going a little slowly. Uh, I have not had very many uh, submissions this, this time around for the third episode, so... I may have to take a proactive approach and just kind of search uh, dauntlessly uh, through YouTube and do it now. Put out a call for uh, submissions. Oh, I I will. I I did that weeks ago. And and yes, if you have a way to capture your game footage uh, via Fraps Game Cam, or if you have a capture device such as Dazzle, please email me the file at Jared underscore foils j-e-r-r-i-d underscore f as in frank o-i-l-e-s at hotmail.com or you could just pretend you're Fox News and fake the whole thing uh, yeah <laughs> well I was going to say you don't even need all those capture devices my Xbox can plug right into my DVD recorder and I can just record playing Xbox oh yeah yeah so I mean, you don't even need some fancy device just plug it into your DVD recorder the one thing that I will absolutely I will actually absolutely uh, condemn is shooting a TV with your camera. Oh, I I can't stand YouTube videos that are like that. Yeah. Lazy bastards. That's what that I, is. Exactly. Sometimes sometimes when I want, like, I'll, I'll be looking for a clip 
of something and it'll be that. It'll be somebody who's pointed their camera at the TV and a lot of people do that for pretty mainstream stuff like, you know, Fox shows and stuff like that. The the animated shows. Um, it's pretty common for people to do that on YouTube because they won't get taken down if you do that, which is so asinine. Right. So I, the thing that bothers me is when I'm trying, back when I had the job at the TV station, I, I had a, I worked with a lot of people who had not seen a lot of the movies Brad and I have seen. So I would try and like show them the the five minute long alley fight in They Live. Yeah. Good luck finding that clip. You can find the South Park clip. You can find fan edits of the different clip with the different music, and you know five hundred of those. But God forbid you can actually find the damn clip from the movie without somebody trying to be cute about it. I will yeah. say this um, nowadays with. With the HD TVs and, and the flat panel, the, the flat screen TVs, shooting a TV becomes a lot less ridiculous if you're if you're shooting one of those because the, it has like no refresher for, uh, refresher rate, and as long as you're using a camera that doesn't have like an auto iris that'll like you know uh, brighten up whenever the screen goes dark, then you can kind of get away with it, but I, I do not recommend it at all. I still call lazy. Yeah, exactly. From the first time we recorded this, I wouldn't have been able to make this reference. We are recording this the day after Macho Man Randy Savage dies. Uh-huh. So I want to be on record from that date being the first person to make the joke, I wonder how long until he looks like a Slim Jim. Oh! Yeah, was, I went was- there. It was so weird when we it was so weird when we heard about that because a, I told them about a week prior about a week prior it was it was when we went to go see Priest it was when yeah, we went yeah. to go see Priest and we showed up and there was a Slim Jim mobile in the parking lot and on top of it was like this weird cat box casket looking thing that had Slim Jim on it so we do make the joke like like oh that's what Macho Man Randy Savage's casket's gonna look like. And our buddy Jake is standing there and actually starts, like, doing a eulogy of him. This was a week ago, and then, like, it happens, and we're like, oh, oh, man. I See, I think what, what you did, Brad, is you hit a wrinkle in time. Yeah. I think that's what happened, is you accidentally, for just a couple of minutes, jumped a week in, in the future. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what going to see Priest does. <laughs> There's that. Like, except for Jared, he went to go see Bridesmaids. Yeah, I was going to make fun of him about that. <laughs> Do your work, sir. <laughs> well, the, sort of like it's sort of like I said. I mean, from what I what I heard, the movie's actually not that bad. My whole thing is just, is just Kristen based Wig. solely on the fact that I can't stand Kristen Wiig. Yeah, I have that problem with some movies that are not that bad, but because Will Ferrell stars in it, it just immediately turns me off of the movie because I hate Will Ferrell that much. Yeah, I'm la- I'm that way with a lot of Will Ferrell stuff too. I did I did really like Anchorman. See, I didn't See, I did. and I worked in TV at the time and it just wasn't funny to me it, for the most I part. I it. I quite enjoyed it. Jared, you worked in TV. I did. I did. And and what was funny was lines from that movie were quoted quite frequently oh, yeah. in the newsroom. Oh yes. Uh, the sports guy. There was one time the sports guy was in his cubicle, you know, uh, doing his hair and, and yeah. his makeup, and and he and he goes, "Hey, everybody, 
Come see how good I look. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> and now, we actually have a topic this episode, but I want to hit two other horrorish things for all of us here. All right, first, a fan asked on Brad's site if we're, they're ever going to see more It Came From Beyond Midnight, so it's the last one that it came out was Silent Night, Bloody Night. And yeah. my answer is yes, provisionally. I have about another dozen episodes shot, but my editor just fell out. He is so overwhelmed with work, he has no time to edit the show. So I have about a dozen more raw episodes. I need an editor. If a fan wants to step up and can commit to editing these, hey, you guys can be involved. But I've got a dozen more episodes that I just... My computer's a piece of crap. Brad recommended Pinnacle to me. I've never used it before, so while I'm sure I can figure it out, there's going to be a steep learning curve. Yeah. And my computer is so slow. I'm uh, not looking forward to trying to render anything on my computer. Oh, yeah. Get a Mac with Final Cut Pro. Again, there would be a learning curve because I've never used a Mac. Oh, it's it, dude. There'd it be a steep so learning easy. curve. So easy. And it, it honestly, it, you will thank yourself in the long run. I'm unemployed. There's no just getting a Mac for me. <laughs> Well, the only system that I, the only editing software that I've really used, other than other than like school, other than when I was in school, was uh, was Pinnacle. You know, a lot of people use a lot of other programs, but really, I mean, all I basically I, I don't need anything that's any kind of editing software that's really extreme. You know, I mean, I the stuff it's, it doesn't take it it doesn't need anything above a very basic editing software. Uh, like, I remember one time I tried using, uh, like, Adobe Premiere Pro, and it was like diffusing a bomb. Oh my god. <laughs> you see, I'm used to Nero. Like, you know, I just I, I had a thing of Nero, and you, know, you can't swap audio with that or anything, but, you know, you can cut frame by frame and whatnot, so I can do little things like that, but even that is so strict on what I can and cannot do I don't know like Pinnacle was actually overwhelming when I first booted it up because there's so many options I'm like I don't even know what three quarters of these things do Uh, sure sure (laughs) so in a way it's a little scary to try and learn this stuff on your own and keep in mind I edited on an Avid at the TV station I wouldn't mind having an Avid for my computer well, well it's funny you should mention that because Avid now owns Pinnacle Studio Really? So there, yeah. So there are a lot of uh, similarities between Avid and Pinnacle. I have, I think Pinnacle the later, twelve. The later versions. Let's just say that the later versions. I think like, I, I think I have twelve. Is the one that oh. I <coughs> acquired. <laughs> yeah, 12 is, twelve is the one that I have. Right. Same here. And and I'll, and I'll tell you uh, uh, honestly, my thing with uh, Pinnacle is is that the the reason why I'm so Final Cut than than um, than Pinnacle is I I took a class uh, at at the community college here on uh, Pinnacle or Pinnacle on uh, Final Cut and it was just it, it night and day the features the features on that is it was just amazing it was so flexible it was you know you could you could do so much and, and my knowledge uh, with with Final Cut barely scratches the surface, so it's so it's just like Brad 
really what I need is is just something uh, pretty basic. But just the fact that I'm able to do what I can on Final Cut and not in and not so much on Pinnacle. I sometimes if I had hair on my head, I I I wish I could pull it out. (laughs) See the 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 problem I have with the midnight stuff is I'm I'm okay editing the host segments with what I've got and what I know how to do. The problem is, with Blip, you can't have nudity. Well, some of the movies have nudity, and I have the uncut versions of the movies. I don't know how to mosaic out other than frame by frame by frame taking out nipples. That's my problem. I need someone to take out the nipples in the movies. Yeah, the way that I do it uh, is just by putting, is just by going in, like, the title creator and putting up a black box on the like a lot of the a lot of the better programs have uh track it to where they can track the nudity uh, mine doesn't have that if it does I, I don't know how to use it but if it does i haven't discovered it on there yet uh, but so i have to go into like the title program and just make a black box and stick it over the nudity and if the character moves you, you have know, to manually have- move it to move the then I have to move the box. It's it's a huge pain in the ass. I re- that's one thing I really really hate doing because Is one that out of, graffiti one out of three times I end up missing something. Have you ever been uh, called on it by Blip? No, no. Uh, luckily, luckily. Now that we've said this, though. <laughs> well, I always if 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 uh, people who comment on my page, if if they spot nudity on there, they they write it down. So Push! I, four minutes and three seconds in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I I see it I see it on there. It gets it gets kind of annoying when thirty people tell me the same thing. But anyway, um, but but you also got to remember, Brad, you do a lot of porns. So yeah. you're, you're you're kind of there's no sympathy coming here because you kind of backed yourself into this one. Oh, actually, honestly, the porns are easier to co- cover up than the other stuff because with the porn. Yeah, it might be a little. It might be a mixture. It might be a little bit that I'm paying a lot more attention to it in the in the editor. But in the porn, the nudity is just it, it's all there on the screen. Where where I get messed up is when it'll be like a soft core sex exploitation or something else where it's just something in the background or something like well off to the side or something like that that I just completely missed the porn is a lot easier to to pay attention to the black boxing than 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 the other movies now the other thing we want to be big whores on and i know brad's going to back me on this and i don't know if this is the first time jared's hearing about it or not because i don't know if brad told him i i approached full moon features a while ago about i had a really interesting idea which i'm not going to go into because someone will steal it from me on making infomercials in a very unique way for Full Moon, starring uh-huh. Brad Jones. And I'd do it. Yeah, Brad and I have already talked about this. He's heard my idea and whatnot, and he liked it. Now, the problem is Full Moon needs a little bit of push. So we kind of need you guys to very politely, very nicely, maybe email Full Moon and let them know that if Josh Hadley and the Cinema Snob get together, that you would endorse the full moon products and maybe you guys would buy some stuff from the infomercials and maybe they'll give us the budget we're asking for and we can get these made maybe even by christmas 
God, I feel like such a whore. I should be wearing a fright rig, fright wig, and blowing guys down at the dock after that. <laughs> but no, it would be starring Brad Jones, written and directed by me, and Hank Carlson, former K and B special effects man, would be building the set. These would look really cool, and they're a unique idea. They'd be pretty much be unlike any infomercial you've ever seen before. We can bring back Crystal Pepsi. We can do this. Uh, I don't know about this. I mean, I really do want to work with Full Moon, and they got a great library to to work from. But I just we need to push them a little bit. We need to nudge them and nudge Charles Band into saying, "Here's your money." <laughs> that segs into what our topic would be tonight. What the hell happened to low budget filmmaking? <laughs> I make low budget movies. And no offense, you're part of the problem with what happened to low budget filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I can't afford all the money to shoot on film. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what I mean. It it got to this weird spot where you used to be able to make a great looking movie like Galaxy of Terror for four hundred thousand dollars in 1982. Yeah. Nowadays, four hundred thousand dollars. You're going to be lucky if you can get a shot on digital video piece of crap that that looks worse than a sci-fi channel movie. That's Dude, the Brad, imagine what we could do with $400,000. Yeah, $400,000, you could shoot like 10 movies like that. Well, I'm just saying that, because like when I was initially talking to Charles Band, yeah, he said one of the problems is everything has gotten so much more expensive that he's spending twice as much on, on these mo- the movies Full Moon's putting out today yeah. And he's not getting as much as he used to in, say, 1989. That he'd get more for a half million dollars in 89 than he can get today. Yeah. And it's like, what happened? Look at Troma. There's uh-huh. no way a movie like The Toxic Avenger could ever be made on a Troma budget today. Even the exact same budget, Lloyd Kaufman's outright told me, because I've tried to get him on Lost in the Static before, he's outright told me he will never be able to make a movie for the budgets he has that looks like the Toxic Avenger again. Well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, the low-budget movies, they, they look different nowadays. Uh, for, I mean, yeah, I, I certainly like like the look of them better in the, in the 80s than, than they do now. Now, they, yeah, they do look like... They do look like, they do look like video movies. They do look like digital video, and, and film is always going to look better than that. I've gotten asked before why the movies I've done you know, are shot the way that they are. I can't afford to shoot on film. I wish to God I could have my movies look like that. Believe me, if I could, I would. But, uh, you know, it's... You you work you sort of work with what you got. Which is why I, I want to throw out the qualifier, Brad, when I said you were part of the problem, I didn't mean it in the way that you took it. What I meant was, I mean, like, you, you were, you're literally just doing it with no budget at all. When I refer to low-budget filmmaking, I'm referring to a releasable drive-in-style 70s movie. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, a releasable movie, you know, usually with, with one former movie star yeah. and whatnot, made on, like, $250,000, $300,000. Now, this is not an insult, but I'd say what you did is micro-budget filmmaking, which is a totally different genre, I think. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. And and I have a lot of respect for micro-budget filmmakers. Uh-huh. It's, I, I don't understand what happened to the low-budget film. Yeah. And for one thing, I don't even understand how low-budget, how that term moved. I was reading a, a review of American History X. That yeah. movie had a $9 million budget, okay? 
It was called a low budget film. Nine million dollars is a low budget movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't think so. I think nine million dollars is a pretty decent budget. And what was that? Ninety nine, ninety eight that they so, that they made so. that. Nine million dollars is a pretty damn good budget. That's not a low budget film. So what would they call Galaxy of Terror for under half a million? Yeah. <laughs> would that be a micro budget film to Hollywood then? Are there even I mean I'm I'm sure this is probably a stupid question, but are there even it seems like nowadays you have either a micro budgeted movie or something like for five million dollars whatever. Are there even that many five hundred thousand dollar anymore? I mean, that's probably a stupid question, but no, uh, I certainly don't. I certainly don't see a lot of them. I wouldn't say a lot of genre films. I know that movie I worked on, Feed the Fish, that only had a I think seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget, and it looks great. It yeah. looks better than some of these five million dollar direct to video films that I'm seeing. And I'm not saying that just because I'm sucking up to the director because I worked with them and stuff. I'm saying Feed the Fish looks really good. Yeah. And it was not even a million dollars. Project yeah. Solitude, for all its faults, had a just under million dollar budget. And yeah. at least physically, it looks very good, even though it was shot on digital video, which was the big problem I had is just watching the dailies were painful because I hate digital video so much. And Jared, you know you can join in on this. Oh, I know. Okay. I, I'm listening to you guys. I mean, <laughs> it's cool. I mean, I, I'm actually... I'm actually uh, really enjoying your guys about low budget and micro budgeting films and you know, that that's good that movies are still getting made for for roughly that cost well and i would well, say I'm... one of the things that hurts these films is the trap that they all fall into yeah let's just do it with cgi oh yeah yeah <laughs> now the, yeah now that brad absolutely hates cgi and i do but, as well but yeah. my thing is I like CGI when it's used in the means that it's meant for. If you're going to use CGI in place of a stuntman, then you no, no, you you need to have your computer taken away from you. <laughs> that is a bad filmmaker, no biscuit, you know. But but if you use CGI for like say I don't know. Um, Maybe some animated makeup effects or something like that. That that's that could be possible, you know. One of the problems that they have so often nowadays is the CGI blood. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know how you can't afford to smear blood on the actress's face that you have to CG it in after the fact. That yeah. pisses me off more than I can right. articulate. Right. Or or like I said, you know, you can, you don't want to use a. a like in the case of Spider-Man 1, you know, you, you don't want to hire a stuntman to, um, you know, ha have a harness on and jump roof to roof, you know, for that scene. You got a CGI Peter Peter Parker jumping across roofs. That looked like such a cartoon. It did. It really did. <laughs> uh, it could CGI it completely takes you out of the movie. It does. It, it and even in like in disaster uh, it's CGI is the worst possible thing to ever happen to to disaster, disaster because when I see a disaster movie, even if I want it to be something actually getting destroyed, you know. See, I'm the Let same way with uh, giant monster movies, like yeah. Anaconda. All four movies, they look like garbage. 
Uh-huh. You never once believe that these people are in danger because you know there's nothing in that room with them. Yeah. The only time that I don't mind CGI is when it's supposed to look like when they're in when they're intentionally making it look like crap. Or it's, I'm willing to buy it in like the lawnmower man style, like we're in the computer. Yeah, so oh it, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm good with it then. Yeah, that's fine. When it's supposed to be like virtual reality, or if it's supposed to be something that's off kilter, like have you, I'm sure you've seen Lord of Illusions. Yeah. Remember the bad CGI when um when they're in the dream, it's supposed to be off kilter and you're not quite sure if it's real or not. So I'm okay with it when, like you pointed out, it's supposed to not look the best. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you have people that fall into the trap that like Kevin Smith fell into on Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And one of the deleted scenes, remember they made the the sheep sheep banger joke. Remember when they threw Sean William Scott out of the thing? Well, initially that scene was supposed to go on longer, and he ended up seeing a sheep, and he's like, hey, baby, what you up to? And he said it would have cost uh, you know, X amount of dollars to get a real sheep, the wrangler, the permits, and whatnot, or it'll cost twice as much but half the time to just CG a sheep in there, and it was, so just, it was just easier to CG in the sheep. It was easier to yeah. schedule. It was easier to deal with. Even though it cost more, it was just easier yeah, well, you know what? Easier is not always better. I mean, yeah. you know, Brad, uh, or no, no, wait, wait. I'm I'm thinking of um, Armageddon. Sorry. Um, ID four. See, that's what I liked about ID four. That that White House that they blew up. They painstakingly built a model of the White House. Yeah. And then blew it up. Yeah. It was a physical th- object getting destroyed. You felt yeah. something was there. There was a substance to it. Yeah. Exactly. And like 2012, there was no substance to anything uh, whatsoever. That might as well have just called itself an animated film. Well, and then right. Brad, I mean, you're you're the first. I don't know if you started this joke, but you were the first person I heard use it. I think your description of Avatar as CGI the movie is dead on. Yeah, because that's what it is. That whole movie is. Hey, look, this whole movie is CGI, and well, there's a couple of you know actual actors in here too. I mean, that's absolutely accurate, and that's the problem. And to move this back to low-budget filmmaking, when you look at like these Sci-Fi Channel movies, have either of you seen Sabretooth, the Sci-Fi Channel Sabretooth movie? I didn't see Sabretooth. No, no. Go and find the clip on YouTube when we're done recording this. And find just put Sabretooth Sci-Fi Channel movie. That The clip I'm talking about will come up. It actually is has wireframe frames in it. The CGI is so bad it looks like the guy is being eaten by a PlayStation 1 game. <laughs> and this is and Sci-Fi Channel thought this was good enough to air that you know we don't need to to spend an extra week or so rendering this out. We can air it like this. It is so bad that it actually is embarrassing that they wanted you to try and take this seriously. Oh my god, the eraser. Did you guys see that no. um, Schwarzenegger? Yeah. No. Nope. Oh, with the with the crocodiles, right? Yes. CGI crocodiles, the the house exploding and it just making them duck a little bit instead of, you know, an ex, an explosion's uh, whenever you're that close to an explosion, it's supposed to knock you on your ass. No, they the, the house explodes and they just duck a little. <laughs> a perfect example of what a perfect example of what Jared just brought up would be um, Indiana Jones 4, Indiana Jones and the Quest Crystal Skull, Space Between Spaces, whatever the stupid crap was. 
the CGI snakes. Compare that to Raiders of the Lost Ark. He was in the room. Yes, you can see the you know the reflection of the glass divider between Harrison Ford and the snakes, but there was real snakes in that room with Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. And you felt the difference between those two movies. And that's part of the problem. CGI, you just you don't feel it like uh Star Trek well, Insurrection when Worf is uh, smashing the little flying uh probes with his gun. And you see the raw footage, and he's just swinging his gun wildly in the air, and they're like, okay, and we'll just match up, put the pods where he's swinging. And you go, no, you lost me there. Well, I mean, to go back to, like, Indiana Jones, compare compare what what I think is one of the best action sequences ever, uh, the minecart chase from Temple of Doom. Compare that, which was used with miniatures and, uh, and whatnot, and looked real, looked fantastic, and you compare that, all of the CGI crap in Crystal Skull, I mean, there's absolutely no comparison. It makes you thank God that Temple of Doom was made in the 80s. See, I will, went, I will fight you on best action sequence ever, because I think um, the running out of the mine at the beginning of Raiders is probably the best. Dodging all the little darts and the, the pits yeah. and the boulder, that actually, I think, one-ups the minecart chase, but I, I know what you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Um, that now, with some stuff, I think it's intentionally supposed to look really bad, like uh, like Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus. I, uh, I I'm not sure I agree with that. I think they're just too lazy and cheap to make it look better. I don't I don't agree. I I I, I don't agree. I, I watch those movies. I watch those movies a lot. They're done so tongue in cheek. The effects. Are, you look at those effects. There's no way that they're trying to be serious. There's there's no way. At least at this point, at least at this point, at this stage, in of the asylum, the company that does that, no, they they know exactly what they're doing. They know why people watch these movies, and it isn't because they're good movies. They're not trying to make that movie good. I I watch, I watch about all of their movies, most of them. Something like Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus. The set pieces in that, there's no way they would have done some of the action set pieces that they do in that movie if they had intended to set out to make it look good. Part of the fun of those movies is that the CGI is so bad. That's honestly what kind of makes those movies watchable to the point where I pretty much call them CGI's exploitation. Well, like, my wife was making fun of me. The dollar store near us had some couple of DVDs for a dollar, and I bought Mega Snake and Magma Volcanic Disaster. Nice. And I'm almost dreading watching either of them. Yeah. Even though I only spent... Oh, and, and the Net 2.0, which is the one that's <laughs> really I'm dreading watching. Sweet. I didn't even uh, know they made a damn sequel to that. I knew they made a TV series, which I liked, but a sequel? <laughs> Good God, man. <laughs> I actually I had a pretty good night. I just uh, hung out with my friends and we watched Jack's Back, which has no CGI. Look at look at the difference between even movies in the same franchise. And keep in mind, I like Escape from L.A. I like it quite a bit. Okay. Yeah, I like it. I but like it. Look at the cityscapes. You know, as that open each movie as you're as you're seeing, uh, you know, what L.A. and New York look like yeah. in Escape from New York. You got those beautiful James Cameron models and matte paintings. Oh yeah, yeah. And in L.A., they look like they were done on a computer. And L.A. had a bigger budget, and doesn't look as good. I don't understand that. Even even like yeah, like something like twenty uh, 
uh, like 2019 after the fall of New York, which you which yeah you can tell it's it's a fake New York. You can tell it's a model. In fact, I think you could probably clearly tell one of them might be a milk carton. But it's still <laughs> it, it's still to me it to me it just looks better. It it just it doesn't take me out of the movie as much. Well, and then you also have on the other token, like you just pointed out, yeah, one of them might be a milk carton. Look at, like, Galaxy of Terror and Battle Beyond the Stars. The interiors of the spacecrafts are yeah. literally Big Mac containers spray-painted silver, glued to the wall. <laughs> Wasn't one of the asteroids in Empire a shoe? There was also, there's also one that's a potato. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the special effects guys were getting a little pissed at uh, Lucas and Kirshner in Empire, I think. So yeah. they were just like, all right, you guys, let's see if anyone notices this. That's still, still to me the best thing about little any, did they know nerds would be watching this. The best, the best thing about any Star Wars movie is a stormtrooper hitting his head in the in Episode Four. Yeah, I still laugh every single time I see that. Yeah, <laughs> but to me the the last, and I know we've totally segged into special effects over low budget filmmaking, but I don't care. To me, the last big traditional special effects movie was Bram Stoker's Dracula. Look at all those gorgeous in-camera effects that yeah. you basically, you have to be shown the making of for you to go, damn, that wasn't CGI? Because that movie's gorgeous, no matter what you think of the acting. Keanu, you suck, I'm sorry. And Winona, <laughs> you're no better. See, Keanu bo- didn't bother to act in that movie. Winona, I don't know what her problem was, but she overdid it so much. Take me away from all Death. <laughs> Jesus, too many more scenery, and you're going to be a rat. Well, I could just replace her again with Sofia Coppola. Well, then you got well, another Keanu. <laughs> so, but I mean, to me, can you think of another after Dracula movie that really said, "No, we're doing everything in camera, or we're doing it with models or opticals over CGI"? Off the top of my head, I mean, uh, let me think. Because I was ninety-two. Independence Day used models, but they also used a quite a bit of CGI. Well, they did, they did, yeah. But um, there's almost. But I think it was no. a good, a, a good blend. You know, it, they 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 picked the right places to use CGI versus using you know models. I agree with that. Yeah, it, it wasn't an all. It certainly wasn't an all practical movie. And I'm trying to think. I I don't even remember what the last movie, last big movie was that did that. I know that. That uh, 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 John Favreau likes using a lot of practical effects. But see, um, but here, here's part of the problem. Uh, I'm not trying to keep name dropping Hank Carlson, but uh, we had dinner the other night, and he was telling me basically his services aren't required anymore as an old school model maker and special effects man. Nobody yeah. wants to hire him anymore. He said literally, he he'll be interviewing for a job on a movie, and they'll be like, "And you're going to use a computer, right?" And yeah. when he says no, then all of a sudden he, you can hear it right in their voice. Yeah, the rest of this interview is just to not make you feel bad. Yeah. That it's you're not going to be using a computer? Well, then we don't want you. That th- the, the job of the old school special effects makeup model builder is going away. You know, I mean, he, 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 built, he built the Deadites in Army of Darkness. You know Evil Dead 4 would be CGI Deadites. Yeah, CGI is the worst thing to happen to movies. CGI is worse than all, all the. I mean, I'm sorry, all these people bitching nowadays about 3D. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it kind of sucks, but I'm sorry, that's not worse than CGI. 
To me, CGI should be used to clean up the effects, to remove remove the matte lines, get rid of the wire, maybe you know yeah. take take out the cameraman's reflection off the model window or something like that. That's uh-huh. what CGI should be used for to clean up and enhance the yeah. practical effect. And you right. can choose to go back to this point I was making. You can choose whether or not you want to see a movie in 3D. You can. You can't choose whether or not you want to see a movie in CGI or practical effects. Exactly. Right, right. You know that was that was one of my that was one of my problems with Thor was uh, at the beginning they showed uh, CGI ancient Norwegians and it's like really you can't hire extras. <laughs> Same thing with Titanic. You know yeah. all the people on the ship that that didn't need a speaking role. God forbid you use, you know, animatronics or models or, you know, scale figurines or something. Just CGI them all in later. Oh, man. That was one funny thing about Titanic 2, the Asylum's Titanic 2, is that on the ship, they did they did bring in extras, you know, for the background and everything. But it looked like there was no way this thing is a freaking luxury liner. Seriously, like, the people they put in the background look like people they just pulled out of the nearby Kmart. Well, do you remember the end of The Beyond, where, where they're trapped yeah. and there's all those bodies everywhere? Yeah. Those were all drunks. Uh-huh. Fulci literally went to a local homeless shelter and gave each one of them a bottle of booze to lay down in the scene and play, oh, a, yeah. and play a dead body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, those were literally drunks. Oh, and, and uh, Jared brought up Thor. I want to say, are you Thor? Nope, but I will be tomorrow. Uh, I, made, I made that joke on the first attempt at the show, and I wanted to get this in, that in on this one too. <laughs> Had to squeeze that one in there. I'm sorry, it's kind of funny, in a <laughs> sick way. But look at look at even the animal, the Nature Gone Wild movies of the '70s. Yeah. Would Grizzly. you? Be, yeah. Or or Shark. Or yeah. have you ever seen Mako Jaws of Death with uh, Richard Jekyll? Um, no, or, I have his R video store had it, but I never did see it. There, there's scenes in that that, and maybe I'm being naive, there's no way he was not in the tank with sharks biting on, I mean, I'm sure he had uh, mesh and stuff on under his clothes, but there's no way that they faked or used <laughs> opticals or cheated any of these shots. At the end, he jumps into a tank of water and gets eaten by, like, three Makos. Uh-huh. And you can see that that is the actor's face in there and he's in there with these sharks yeah. nowadays I don't even know how an insurance company would let an actor do that yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you'd ever make zombie with the zombie <laughs> versus shark what's that story that the director tells about about open water that he just went to the actors and was like yeah we're we're gonna throw you in shark infested water <laughs> yeah I don't know how they got an insurance bond for that you know what? Actually, come to think of it, you mentioning insurance, that might actually answer our question about uh, why CGI is overused so much. Because sure it's nowadays, the only way they can do uh, it. What with the uh, over-applications of CGI, insurance companies are probably pushing stuff like that, thinking, oh, well, you know, we don't, we don't have to cover a stuntman or extras to do this, that, and the other. Well, and now I, I, I and I, I do agree with you, and I think that's wrong. I mean, not what you said, but that, that that if that's true that they do that, I think it's wrong. Yeah. To defend CGI a little bit, there are cases where there there are things in modern movies that when I see the making of, I go, I can't believe that that was green screen. Look at Land of the Dead. 
all those cityscapes and everything, you know, as they're walking through the city and it's just uh, the mentalist guy and the retarded guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Half of those, it's just them against a green screen. And yeah. you can't tell yeah. until yeah. you see the making of and you go, wow, that's that's a good use of CGI. Yeah. That, that was like, um, that was like a, a Cloverfield, you know. I, I had no idea a half of that, uh, half of that backdrop was green screen. It, it looked Cl- Cloverfield had good CGI. Yeah, you know, Cloverfield had good CGI, and also it, it helped too in how grainy a lot of the movie was, and how how shaky a lot of it was. I think that helped a lot in how convincing the CGI was. And, and, um, and how Cloverfield's version of New York doesn't have any children or ugly people, and it's all pretty young people, and it's all people who can act and with great teeth. And <laughs> I, I gotta pick this moment that an action film is shallow. I think that's I'm been going for a long time. Just pointing it out. <laughs> just wanted to point it out is all. <laughs> I don't think that began with Cloverfield. No, but it, but to me, I, I kind of expected more out of... I know J.J. J. Abrams didn't direct it, but out of something he produced, I kind of expected better from him. I liked it. I thought it was fun. I hated it. Uh-huh. I, hated it. I, loved I, didn't it. Hate, I didn't hate Cloverfield. I For one thing, I, thing, I hate Shaky I hate Cam. Shaky Cam doesn't bother me. Uh, I, I've never gotten motion sickness off of it at all. It, it does See, not bother me a bit. See, my thing is, I, I liked the use of the shaky cam only because of what they were doing. It, it was it was all in context. Well, but then the problem with those shaky cam movies, like the ones like Cloverfield and Quarantine, is you have to take the conceit that oh my god, there's a giant monster attacking me! I need to film this rather than running and saving my own ass. I have to film this. Uh-huh. Well, and but that's what's great about uh, about the character that ran Cameron in uh, Cloverfield is that he he kind of did a little bit of both. He was like saving himself and also filming, and then saving himself, then filming. Yeah, and then, he wasn't in real time either. Yeah, the movie spread out was spread out over a lot of different hours. I, I Cloverfield, I, I bought it that he would have that he would uh, be filming a lot of that stuff. Well, and no matter yeah. what you say about Diary of the Dead, uh-huh. I, I never questioned the fact of how they were getting that footage and that the people, you know, were not in danger. All of a sudden, it would switch to, like, a security camera angle while yeah. the guys are running away or something. You never got the, put the damn camera down and run moment. Uh-huh. So no matter what so you that, think of that... But it was that, a, such a terrible movie. See, I think until they get to uh, Mummy Guy's house... I loved Land of the Dead or uh, Diary of the Dead, and then it all falls apart in the third act, in my opinion. But the first two thirds, I think, are pretty decent. Uh, I thought the opening scene was decent. the The news uh, footage at the beginning of it, I thought that was all right. Then when we met our freaking characters with that god awful narration, the narration was, was unnecessary. Of, yes, there was not a lot of that movie I liked. See, I liked that. I hated Survival. I thought Survival. I honestly I, think survival is so bad. I don't know if Romero can recover. I think it was that bad. Survival was bad. I, I yeah, I agree. Survival was bad. I liked survival better than Diary. I disagree with I disagree. that one, but I, I liked survival better than Diary. One, they dropped the narration after the opening scene. It actually had a couple of characters in it that I kind of liked. My biggest but, problem, besides the blatant use of CGI in that oh, movie, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, that sucked. Was oh, the I, don't, I did not. Don't, I didn't like the movie. I did not like the movie at all. 
was the blatant use of, and I'm putting it in quotes because none of it was funny, humor. Yeah. You know, like he sets the zombie on fire, he's about to push him over, pulls him back, lights a cigarette off of him, and then pushes him over the side. And you just go, oh, God. It's like, <laughs> that's that's not funny. I think something like that could be done well. It lighting, wasn't. Lighting your cigarette off of a burning corpse, but... It wasn't. Not necessarily, not necessarily that time. Speaking of zombies, um, I actually just saw... Uh, before you know, before I before I logged on to WoW and then then came here, uh, I, I watched uh, I Am Legend. Which version? Uh, the Will Smith one. No, I mean, which ending did you get? The good ending oh. or the or the horrible Hollywood DVD ending? I well, it was on DVD. I, I don't know. I mean, how did your version of the movie end? W- with the girl going to the colony. D- did he live or die? He died. Okay, then you got the good ending. You got the oh, theatrical okay. ending. And because, see, there's an alternate ending where he miraculously survives. He doesn't blow himself up. They make peace with the the monsters, and they end up riding off into the sunset for sequel bait. <laughs> and that's the preferred ending. That's the ending most people like, and I don't understand that. that you know, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't think I could have... I don't think I could have... Uh, Disliked that that idea because toward the end he was it, it, those those zombies really did show that flicker of humanity and just vengeance in, in them and and I think you know and and it definitely showed that they they still had that intelligence you know it, uh, instead of just being bloodthirsty creatures. No, I agree with that. So, but I'm assuming so you've not read the I, book, right? Huh? I'm assuming you've not read the book. I have not. Okay, I'm not trying to be condescending, but people who have not read the book do not get the point of that of that story. And the fact that the filmmakers sort of missed the point as well just reinforces the fact that I'm saying to all the listeners and to you Jared, go read the book. The book is phenomenal. Well, what's the I mean the the ending of the book is it similar to the the alternate ending to the movie? Is that why people prefer that ending over the theatrical one? Neville dies. Neville has to die. He actually commits suicide. He finds out that the the vampires that he's been killing are basically like the village idiots, that most of the vampires are intelligent and they're forming a new society, and the whole point of the book is he has become flip-flop with what we think a vampire is. You know, he's going into their homes in the middle of the night and killing them, and so he has become the boogeyman to the new society that's taken over the earth and that his legend is actually stronger than anything he could ever do. So he commits suicide, so they'll never see that he is just a normal, weak human, and that his legend will go on forever, hence the I am legend. Sure, yeah. So for the story to work, Neville has to die. Yeah. Mm. Which is why when he blows himself up to save Anna in the movie, it is far closer to the book than this whole... You know, we're, we're driving off into the sunset, which even has a major plot hole in it because they outright establish all bridges are yeah. out, and then it shows them driving across a goddamn bridge. So, right, you know, the happy ending even has a giant plot hole in it, which pisses me off. Right. Well, well, even that, even that kind of made me wonder. Whenever Anna uh, appeared, I'm all like, "Wait a minute! I thought they blew out, blew up all the bridges. How how did she get in?" I, I think there was a line of dialogue. They came in on a boat. I think there was a line of dialogue that they were on a boat. 
Well, and I also kind of assumed that too after a while was that, you know, well, you know, just because the um, bridges are blown out doesn't mean she can't get over there. She could always, you know. Well, all right, Jared, if you just watched that, be a man and admit it. You cried when he had to kill the dog, didn't you? I did. I did, I did too. I didn't yeah. cry, but I did feel uh, feel sad. It was like you know, poor Max. I did. I don't like I don't like seeing stuff like that. Well, and see, the dog in the is in the book, but in a very different way. He doesn't have the dog as a sidekick in the book for most of it. He there's this this stray dog because the vampires kill all the the roving animals as well. So to have this stray dog is a big deal. And the dog is weary of him, you know, since it's been running away from vampires for the last year or so. Yeah. And so it slowly starts getting close to him and, and whatnot. And, and he goes crazy and gets it a, a bed and everything, you know, assuming, you know, in a week or so, you know, the dog will be mine. You know, we'll be friends. I'll have a companion. And the vampires, being intelligent, they wait until he gets emotionally attached, and then they kill the dog in front of him just to break him down. That's yeah. almost as emotional as it is in the damn movie. Yeah. <laughs> when it happens in the book, because it's just as cruel and just as out of nowhere. And so, yeah, the dog scene in the book is just as powerful. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, I don't think I'd call the um, the scene in, in the movie uh, cruel. I mean, it was, it was you know, he... He tried to do what he can to save Max, and whenever he uh, noticed that in his arms Max was changing into one of the one of those like hellhounds, it was all like you know he knew what he had to do. Well, and she got infected, protecting him too. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. I just I don't know. We've only got a minute and a half left, but I got to say, it really kind of reminded me of like Old Yeller. Okay, (laughs) what you need to do now, Jared. And in not, neither of these is a really an accurate adaptation of the book either. You've got to go see the other two versions of I Am Legend. That's right. I Am Omega. No. not <laughs> Leave the asylum out of this, Brad. I, I knew Brad was going to chime in with I Am Omega. No. You need to see Vincent Price in The Last Man on Earth and Charlton Heston in The Omega Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, the one thing, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying Will Smith w- was miscast because he's black. Because I think Will Smith did a great job. But, yeah, but when I read the book, and maybe it's because I, I had already seen The Omega Man, Heston is almost exactly the way I pictured Neville when I read the book. So I think physically Heston is Neville. God damn zombies. Get your <laughs> damn zombie hands off me, you damn dirty deads. <laughs> So there you You'll go. You'll take this gun from me when you pry it from my cold, undead hand. <laughs> All right, we got to go. We didn't really talk about anything substantial this week. We just rambled and complained. You can contact us at 1201beyond at gmail.com. My website, 1201beyond.blogspot.com. Jared has the game report, if he ever gets footage for it. And Brad has the cinemasnob.com. Did I miss I anything, do. guys? I do. <laughs> Did I miss anything? <laughs> Brad just goes, I do. <laughs> Brad, kind of stick with us here, okay? <laughs> We're just saying good night. Just stick with us a couple more minutes. <laughs> All right, I'm saying good night. You guys aren't going to pipe in? Oh, oh uh, good night. Good night.